Neuroception evaluates risk in the environment without awareness. Stephen Porges. I'm Lauren Hubelay, health educator and gymotherapy expert. And I'm here again with my loyal co-host, Japanese acupuncturist, Megan Lip. Hi, Megan. Hi, Lauren. It's great to be back with you again. And I'm so pleased to welcome our friend and colleague, Cameron Scott. Cameron's a therapist specializing in the treatment of trauma and a passionate polyvagalist. Hi, Cameron. Hello, Megan. Hello, Lauren. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, ladies, I have got a symptom that I want to just lay out on the table for us here. And it's a very common symptom. Um, I think our listeners will be very interested in learning more about the symptoms vertigo. And um, it's interesting because I'm hearing of this more often these days um, with all the added stress and fear and anxiety, which has made me think it might have something to do with our exploration here, or our exploration here might give us some cues. I used to always address this as a strictly physiological symptom in my practice with its roots in the kidney and the ear. And I've had moderate success in resolving it, but not completely. And also the more um, mature the client was, the, in age, the more often this became difficult. In fact, it often becomes quite chronic in um, elderly, elderly women. And um, I can't think of two women I'd like to sort this out with more. So here's what I'm going to share with you all. This is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing um, experiences of vertigo that often come with a sense of being clammy, um, loose stools, there's or no stools, um, it's nausea, a sense of leaving the body, and that can feel very differently um, person to person, but a sense that either they're above looking down or they're not connected to their physical body. And when it's extreme, they seem to have problems uh, being unable to coordinate physical movement, which is quite frightening. So let's put this out there, ladies, and take it apart. Megan, Cameron, who wants, Megan, do you want to go first? No, okay, Cameron. Well, I'm absolutely fascinated by this, Lauren, and, and I'm going to look to you and Megan to, to fill in some of my blanks, but and through the lens of the polyvagal theory, which is really looking at our autonomic nervous system, what, what's happening? Why is it happening? How do we support regulation? Because the symptoms, as you suggest them, really correspond to that dorsal vagal state, which is that place that exists in, in, below our, in our bodies, below our diaphragm, and it was often considered the shutdown, cons conservation, um, really some people in psychology call it the dissociative, but each symptom that you mentioned belongs to a predominantly dorsal vagal state. Wow, wow. And, and you know, Cameron, as you say that, I'm thinking that often I hear that people 
say they can't feel their feet. Mm -hmm. ah. And, and that's, that's physiologic. That state really is, its function is to conserve energy. And so it really is a, a reptilian, simple like response of, think of when reptiles hibernate, that, that you know, everything slows down, detachment, because the system in a, a order to, to really need to conserve um, is shutting down, detaching. So Cameron, just in case someone's joining us for the first time or they get this uh, podcast passed along to them, can you give a couple sentences what the dorsal state is? Mm -hmm. Well, we have three states and the dorsal vagal state corresponds in our body, but also to our um, the ways that we have come to being the organisms that we are. Once upon a time, 500 million years ago, when we were simple or reptilian organisms, we only had an adaptive survival response of that shutdown. Think of a turtle going into its shell. And then 500 million years ago, as our brain grew and we evolved, we, we looked more like cavemen. We added the, the mobilization, being able to fight or flee in the sense of danger. Okay. And then a mere 200 million years ago, we really developed that front of our brain, that prefrontal cortex, which is meaning making and engagement and, you know, many of the vast qualities of, of really um, well evolved brain. And that's our ventral vagal. Wow. Okay. So Cameron, what would, how can we link this? Someone's having vertigo. This looks like dorsal state, what would put them in a dorsal state? Well, because our, our system, much like evolution, is in a hierarchy, our states, real, our bodies want to be in well-regulated, and well-regulated means lots of that brain that's well-developed managing all the other states. In a sense, a neuroception, often 80% precognition, there are challenges, there are cues for danger and threat, the first place we go is that sympathetic, a little bit of mobilization. Something's not right. Something's not working, you know, and, and we have that mobilized response in our systems. If that can bounce us back up into addressing whatever needs to be addressed, is there a cue for danger or threat, or is there just something that could easily be resolved and do enough cues of safety? We'll come back into regulation of our whole system with lots of ventral vagal energy. If, however, there's chronic or repeated stressors to the system. So think of our world right now and all the things that are accused for sure. danger or threat. That's sort of that chronic environment. And I'm sorry, I, I, I don't wanna suggest that age is a cumulative stressor, but physiologically it is. Right. And our bodies, um, when they cannot resolve easily back into regulation when they've gone into that mobilized place, it will go down, not a choice, but our bodies will go to that conservation mode, that dorsal vagal shutdown. So uh, you said something very important that it's not a choice. And I think that's something I want to underscore for our listeners. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and because this state is quite frightening um, in itself. And um, I think it takes someone that, is already struggling feel even more helpless. Mm -hmm. 
And one of the wonderful reasons we study the autonomic nervous system, because often that fear only intensifies the state. What's happening to me? I don't know. And those cues of danger or threat, because we're not understanding what our biology is trying to do for us, make the situation more intense and more difficult. So from your perspective, this is a protective mode. Like everything's too much, I'm going down here. Okay. And often without any understanding of what's going on, our physiology, we're hardwired to survive and we're also hardwired to connect, but our hardwiring for survival always comes first. And that, that ties right into Porges is talking about the neuroception that exactly. we don't have to have the awareness to have the reaction. Yeah. Wow. Megan, what do you want to add to this? Yeah, I think this is a beautiful segue into bringing in the Asian medicine lens to this, because similarly to how we talk about the hierarchy with the autonomic nervous system and how it's not a choice, and um, we are constantly you know, scanning for cues of safety and danger, it's similar when we talk about qi in Asian medicine. This is not a choice. This is just what is. It's just the state of how qi, which is translated into English loosely as the life or the animating force in our body, how that is um, handling what's coming at us at that moment. So from the Asian medicine lens, we divide the way we talk about the energy in the body and the mind into two categories, which most people have heard of called yin and yang. And yang is a more animating outward uh, force in the body. And yin is what keeps yang in check. So they both only exist in, to re in relation to each other. And yin is the grounding, nourishing, um, holding piece. And so if we go back to the symptoms that Lauren presented at the beginning of the podcast, when we talk about breaking down um, this challenge, it often presents with an inability of the body to root and ground and hold itself. For example, um, things in the digestion that should be going down might be going up and that might present as nausea. And we might feel a swimmy sensation in the head or we might feel like everything is all of a sudden up in the head, but in a very unrooted, ungrounded kind mm -hmm. of way. Mm -hmm. So the head feels a bit swimmy and we might feel nauseous. We might feel even out of body. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is from an Asian medicine lens a depletion in our yin, a depletion in the body's energy to ground and root and hold itself. Now, as we talked about, and often that has does have to do with the kidney energy and the inner ear, so that energetically all of those things are linked. Um, but as Lauren and Cameron were both saying, you know, as we age, um, our yin does tend to start to decline. And so our ability to root and ground um, is harder. And so if something depletes our yin, um, because we, you know, our neuroception is picking up a cue of danger on some level and we're moving down the hierarchy into dorsal and we lose our ability to root and ground because of that and um, we're more mature in age, it can become a more complex situation. And we have to be more creative uh, with how we encourage the body and mind to um, 
notice where we are and the tools that we then introduce to become more aware of um, our perceiving safety and invite the body back up the ladder um, through mobilization and ultimately into ventral where we feel connected and safe and it can organize us. And I think it's interesting, Cameron, what you said um, and Lauren, how you were referring to these um, sometimes lack of feeling in the lower body or how dorsal really is a lower body uh, phenomenon. Because often, you know, when we study the body's energy um, in the world of Asian medicine, we talk about how if somebody is in long-term sustained stress in a hypo arousal way, then the way we typically treat acupuncture points um, on the extremities won't work. And you have to come back into the torso, into the lower torso to, uh, because th the body will conserve, you know, dorsal is a mode of conservation and the body will start to conserve its energy and pull back into the middle, even though it's ungrounded and you have to treat the middle body to be able to even access the chi, inviting, inviting cues of safety um, and inviting the body to return to itself and resettle. That is so rich, Megan. You know what's so beautiful, ladies, is I feel we're, we truly are exploring in some new territory. And what I never expected in this exploring polyvagal theory was that it would begin um, explaining physiological symptoms that we see chronically that there are no quote unquote cures for. I, I, if, if you are a woman out there with vertigo, I know you're not getting the answers you're looking for. I know that. I know you're given motion sickness tablets. Um, you um, may be giving, given some other type of anti-nausea drugs or even steroids. And I hope you're listening and hearing that that isn't the root of it. That, that's simply not the root. And it, it also gets me so excited, Cameron, for what else, you know, where else can we go, right? We're here. But, but let me bring this around to GMOs and what we've seen. And um, I also want to, to point out, this is new territory, folks. We're pulling this together. I think that the GMOs I'm going to mention are very good in the acute moment. But if you have a chronic issue, I highly advise you contact a practitioner to work with because um, they can, will have all the tools you need and can guide this process because you didn't get where you are overnight. And we need to unwind things a bit. So um, I just wanna put that plug in there. But let's look at GEMOs for a minute because this um, I'm so excited about. There are three that really match up well with these symptoms. And only recently have I begun combining these three. They are dog rose, which is now especially interesting because I have some new information on it. Up until now, I was seeing dog rose. Yes, this makes sense. It's helpful. It resolves inflammation and the mucosal lining in the respiratory area. So it's affecting inflammation in the head. 
it activates the first line of defense of the immune system. Not so sure if that's helping this or not, but it has this beautiful harmonizing effect on the central nervous system. And when we use it in a microdose, we recommend it for fragile states, right? When you're, and, and how much more fragile can you get than when you can't feel your feet and feel like you're leaving your body? But we have some very new information in that it actually neutralizes tyramine, an amino acid, which is linked to migraines and vertigo. Um, if you um, fall prey to these in a chronic way, you know this word and you know there are certain foods that are high in this and the idea is to avoid them, but we always want to work at the root of this. So that's just interesting. We don't know yet um, any more than that information, but we certainly should put dog rose in the um, trio. Fig, it, this is, seems very clear. And everything you're saying, Cameron, um, gives fig, me a, a fig, a vote of confidence because of its cues for safety that it brings the body. It's a harmonizer for the autonomic nervous system. So it's going to um, work on the brain stomach axis. So it'll address the nausea right there. And then it is also, um, there's a relationship with fig and the vagal nerve um, and the transmission of acetylcholine. Additionally, fig harmonizes the central nervous system, specifically the brain and the quality of information sent via neurotransmitters. So fig is going to say, you're okay. You're okay. What everyone needs to hear right now. And then we've got common alder in there where it is a fluid harmonizer. It's balancing the levels and it helps move any inflammation and, and fluid that may be causing that swimming feeling. Um, it has a secondary action of improving cerebral circulation. And um, I think there's more we'll be learning about those as we see them work on this sim these symptoms. For chronic um, support, Megan, you and I were talking, I think having a kidney support would be very important, but this is where touching base with a practitioner, finding that right kidney support would be um, helpful. Um, what else can we add, ladies? What do you think as I bring out those gemos? Cameron, any comments from you on them? I am absolutely fascinating, not being a, a GEMO expert yet, but listening in terms of the um, autonomic nervous system and really respect if this has been a, you know, a chronic pattern, the need to really evaluate it. But it's sort of like the, the groove in the record, if it's been chronic, has gotten worn down. So the system is going to tend to more easily go into that dorsal vagal shutdown. And it's a, it's a place of chronic imbalance, which Megan, you speak to. And then the question is, from an autonomic lens, we're trying to bring someone up into more regulation at every level physiologically. In the hierarchy says we will begin to invite and our autonomic nervous system is ready to roll. It wants to come back up. It will pass through a, a, a brief or elongated 
sympathetic tour, because that's the next one. That's that fight or flight, that mobilization, and then back into that wonderful ability to regulate from that ventral vagal state. And that ventral vagal state really is our, it's like our big umbrella for which we need to have you know, aspects of mobilization and aspects of shutdown for well-being, but they're all being in the same regulating thing. What, because of the hierarchy, if someone has been in a dorsal vagal state or has tended to go there, we need to pay attention. This is where I'm fascinated by your Gemma work. As it comes up through that hierarchy, up through that mobilized place, adding enough invitation, adding enough cues for safety. Because without that, that return through the mobilized safety can become very disorganized and often, you know, end up having a person go back into that dorsal state because it, it can't navigate the cues, enough cues of safety to come all the way up into optimal ventral vagal regulation. And when you speak of the dog rose, uh, you know, again, you're talking a harmonizer that speaks to inflammation. I'm thinking inflammation as in, you know, mobilize, something's not right, inflation. And, and then again, the fig is another harmonizer that's speaking to that tour through the mobilized state. Again, cues of safety, cues of you're okay. Um, and to continue up till we really can come into that mobilization with the adequate amount of that ventral vagal energy. And it's so true that the dorsal vagal has a lot to do um, with all those organs below the diaphragm. So that is going to be the absence, if we're really in that conservation mode of regulation around digestion, you know, disconnect from the body. It's shut it all down. And as we come up the ladder, you know, there's going to be some cues of, oh my goodness, I'm not sure where I am. The energy's increasing. And sometimes increased energy alone will throw a cue for danger. So it's like, where am I? What's happening? What, what, I'm coming out of this far, far away place. And again, that, that safety is so important to come back up. And that from the operating, under that wonderful umbrella of the operating dorsal vagal, we have that ability to have our digestion working for us, to have our mobilization working for us and optimally being grounded. Mm -hmm. Cameron, I think that um, what you're speaking to really um, sort of put a light bulb over my head about this beautiful trio that Lauren is presenting because, you know, often well, starting out, we know that dorsal is a energy conservation mode. It's, it's a survival place where we're conserving energy on every level. And so I think if we're moving back up the ladder, if we used a tonic, we might be able to um, get things moving again so that we could send a message to the body um, of gentle movement, but it might, as you said, trigger a bit of um, a feeling of danger as we move through sympathetic, which still could happen and we need to explore what this next step looks like. But because, so we know that common alder and dog rose are both going to be very gentle movers. They might gently move fluids and blood, which I think will help bring us up gently out of dorsal. But because we're looking at harmonizers and not tonics, and particularly fig, has such a settling grounding quality to it. It, it 
feels like it's going to be a very gentle path mm. up out of dorsal into mobilization without putting us um, in as much of a place of feeling pushed mm. or lending itself to overwhelm. Mm. Mm. That makes a lot of sense, Megan. Um, having worked on many cases like this, that coming out of it um, has its own um, catch-22 because um, there is, and I think this happens to folks with asthma too. Um, it's, it's uh, I'm coming out, I'm so afraid it's going to happen again. So my um, hyper alert state <laughs> is there, the radar is going, and the, lead, the least um, thing can just set it off again, or, or the fact that I'm walking around holding my breath, waiting for it to happen again, can also set it off. You're nodding, Cameron, do you have some thoughts on that? It's just so exciting to, to hear your presentation of it, because this is in, in my work, paying attention to that autonomic nervous system. And, and when it's been very, very far away and in that shutdown place, that conservation place, that it's like kind of waking up that, oh my goodness, where am I now? That's that mobilized place. And, and wanting to, yes, invite it up, you know, into that, you're okay, because it feels foreign. It feels scary almost to a system that's been conditioned in a particular way to go a particular place. And that's where we really do find that, that way to begin to remind the autonomic nervous system, not only can they go to a different place, but they can do it safely. And that it ends up, their system thinks it's scary when they're in that mobilization place, but actually supporting it into good regulation, then they'll realize, and it's experience, realize that it's wonderful to, to be back yeah. to yeah. yeah yeah and and to learn how mm -hmm. to be back. I mean that's that's really the next step right um what I'm hearing in this whole conversation is a compassionate approach to this I mean what a different way to look at physiological symptoms that our body's having yeah. what if what if they really begin with our trauma state and our memories and our fears? Wouldn't that lead us to a whole different way of addressing symptoms and being with our clients? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And we know that um, physiological healing does take place when we're in a ventral state. So yes. more validation of that. Yeah. yeah. And actually, the other side of that coin, Megan, is the same that often healing can't take place if we're in a survival state. Because it's implied that we have to survive. We, we don't have time to attend to healing. We have to survive. And that leaves the ability to heal off the biological platform. So we need that regulation to really have healing be possible. You know, Cameron, that really, I just felt a wave of our current situation when you said that. That, you know, I think for many of us, we 
are trying to get through this. And it's very much a survival place. And maybe there hasn't been much room in there for nurturing and healing. Yeah. And if you could see me, that's the hand going on my heart that it's so true. And we don't even have the ability to, with our prefrontal cortex on, to kind of really stand back and go, wow, we have all been called to a chronic level of survival for whatever reason right now. And only as we come back into a little more regulation can we have that compassion and that self-awareness like, whew, yeah. Yeah. And, and it comes right down to us taking individual responsibility for our own nervous systems, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and I mean that being responsible, not in a should way, but in a compassionate way and re realizing what we're feeding our nervous systems every day and how we're nurturing them and caring for them. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, I, I used to think the reason why I started studying the nervous system first was because it was people couldn't hear what I had to say um, until their nervous system was um, harmonized or they uh, it brought into a more a place of regulation. But the body can't even hear. Absolutely at that level. So it's, it's not just with our ears, we need to hear. We need to hear with that neuroception and with every cell of our body. Absolutely. Wow. Ladies, you are remarkable. What a fantastic kitchen table discussion today. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Megan, where can um, folks hear more about your work? Yeah, if you're interested in finding out more about GEMOS through the Asian Medicine Lens, you can visit my website at acculemp.com. Thanks, Megan. And Cameron? I have a simple website, an invitation to my work at cameronscottma.com. Thanks, Cameron. And if you're looking for um, any work from uh, on the polyvagal theory, I would highly recommend Deb Dana's Polyvagal Exercises for Safety and Connection book. If you're looking for further information about these extracts, I would suggest you look at our Jimmo Memo podcast recordings and have a look at my website, laurenhubelay.com. Megan and I will be taking a break from recording next week. And so I would recommend you tune into the breathing room because I'll have a few more episodes dropped in there to discover how to use your breath to help your autonomic nervous system on a daily basis. Ladies, thank you again. Um.